You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Please be joined now by Husker Online intern Allie Snow, who is just slumming it right now in her quarantine life. Um, we found out you've been having to do a lot of downtown runs. And I mean, how are you keeping yourself busy these days, Allie? Yeah, just runs. And then I have like three weeks of classes left till I graduate. So I'm kind of focused on the homework part of everything, but um, just hanging in there. I'm trying to find some sort of motivation these last three weeks, but it's kind of difficult. Are online classes easier, like to get the work done than normal? Um, in a way, because you can work ahead on things, I guess. It's all listed in Canvas. So if you're feeling really motivated, you can finish a class in like one day if you really wanted the to. Whole, the whole curriculum. Yeah, I've done that in one class, but... Um, the rest are a lot of projects. So we got the mailbag. What do you have to start us out with? All right. So if there is no 2020 football season, do you think the NCAA will count that as a year of lost eligibility for the athletes? I just think we don't know enough right now. And I don't believe that's going to happen. I think there's going to be some form of football season. Um, I mean, the economics of it would decimate so many things. Um, I get the virus. I get their, the vaccination and those things. But I, I still believe you will see them play or try to get some former football season going. How that's going to look, we don't know. Nobody knows. Um, but um, I, I just don't even think that's a thought at this point that there won't be a football season. Yeah. And, I mean, if you want to get into hypotheticals, I guess, uh, you look at what's happening with spring sports. They basically – essentially left it up to the schools where you know some schools can can do it and they're granting it but uh, a school like wisconsin just said you know what we're just not going to do it because financially it doesn't make any sense you're talking about this many additional student athletes being placed on scholarships and all the expenses that come along with that well if you carry that over into fall sports i mean you're talking about 85 football players and uh, with all the other sports going on so that i think uh with most athletic departments already feeling significant hits financially. Uh, the idea of you know basically having an additional class across all sports kept on scholarships for a full sports season, I just don't think it's it's feasible financially. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the easy answer is that I don't think that they would lose a year of eligibility if there was no football. But I just I I don't think that we'll have to cross that bridge. I hope that we don't have to cross that bridge. All right, what do you have next, Allie? After watching your position breakdown videos, what are the strongest and weakest position groups on both offense and defense? I would say offensive line has to be one of the strongest. They return all five starters. There's a plethora of youth that redshirted coming up. Um, there's even a quality transfer that started Division One. They brought in as a walk-on in Nuri Nuelli. So that's where I look at as a strength. Quarterback's a strength, too, with the depth. I mean, to have three quarterbacks on the roster that have played – you know, meaningful game snaps. That That's not the norm. Um, and, and all these guys, I think, can operate the offense, which is another impressive thing. Um, my weak spot overall on the team, I think, is outside linebacker. Um, I think that, to me, when you look at weaknesses, that's the one. Um, the strength for me on defense would be the secondary. Yeah, uh, O-line and quarterback are clearly the strengths of the probably the team right now. And defense, you know, I would say um, – 
you know, if we were to break it into specific positions, you know, I think that their their cornerback depth is pretty good. Um, obviously, safety, they've got returning starters and experience there, but I like the talent level, especially with those young guys coming up, um, you know, at corner. Uh, tight end, too. I, mean, I think that that's a, a, a deep group. Um, obviously, especially if Travis Vokalek is the type of player uh, we expect him to be, then you're pairing him with Jack Stolos now, and that, that's a lot to work with. So um, wide receiver is probably, you know, another thin, prove-it, type positions that you got a lot of guys that you know you think are going to be good but right now we just haven't seen them yet yeah up front offensively between the offensive line and the tight end group I think that's got to be you know shoot I'll throw in quarterbacks I I mean I think that's got to be probably three positions on the entire team that you feel really really good about right now um, with what they return and what what the what they have coming up so and then you know weaknesses wide receivers definitely unproven a lot of ton of question marks there um, and then again I, I think that uh, the outside linebacker spot is, is again is another position that has a ton of question marks and, and probably still lacking quite a bit of depth we're taking your questions here in the mailbag with Husker online intern Ali Snow the XFL officially filed for bankruptcy recently. Did you watch any games, and what was the most innovative thing that they brought? I mean, yeah, the Battle Hawks. I think we all had a rooting interest in those guys with the Mornay and Brandon Riley. I mean, I think those were the two Huskers that you know got the most opportunities and, and made plays. Alonzo and like, Moore played a lot. Alonzo Moore, mostly say, uh, but I think the two Huskers on that St. Louis team were, and it was the closest to Nebraska. That that was where my interest was. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't watch an entire game wire to wire. It was kind of like flip flip around TV. Oh, Rocky Four's on A&E, Just switch the channel. Oh, the game's back. I mean, it was, it was kind of one of those deals for me. Um, I, I kind of was intrigued uh, with their extra point rule. I like that. Um, the one, two, three um, rule. Was it the, the three, five, and ten mm-hmm. um, for one, th- two, and three? Yeah. And then the kickoff rule. I mean, just... Um, the way they went about that uh, to eliminate those high impact collisions, uh, I think those were both ideas that you know football is going to look closely at. Well, and I did watch a lot of games. I think I watched every Battlehawk game from from start to finish. So uh, I really like the product. You know, obviously, I don't know if the NFL could do nearly the the same things that they're doing. But one one of the aspect that stood out to me was just how. Uh, inside you got I mean obviously all the coaches were mic'd up players were mic'd up they were interviewing players like 30 seconds after a critical play in the game guys are dropping f-bombs during interviews uh the the replay booth you could hear them discuss what they're seeing uh, as they're evaluating a call uh and you know the the trainers were mic'd up so when a guy was talking about what hurt you knew exactly what they were looking at so I mean that was a awesome inside peek into just the game of football and all the stuff that you would never even sniff with how guarded the NFL is so I, I thought that was one of the coolest things and I was really disappointed that that league ended up folding because as far as all these spring, you know, alternate football leagues have are concerned, this one had the best chance, I thought, because it was so different and because the the level of football was so good. I mean, you look at the number of guys that have signed NFL contracts that were on XFL rosters. I mean, that it was proving to be a great transition league between college and the NFL. And now hopefully, um, you know, somebody else buys it and they can keep that thing going or at least something 
close to it. Yeah, I, I think the the most innovative part to me was just the behind the scenes look, the being able to hear the the offensive coordinator call the play and and know that everybody on the team, not just the quarterback, was hearing it in their helmet and. Um, and then the special teams plays, with especially the kickoffs and, and the extra points. Uh, you know, I was totally on board with all that. I, I didn't watch every single Battle Hawks game, but I've caught probably three. Um, and then I watched one of the Tampa Bay games and, and uh, I think a Washington game. I don't know. I, but I, I caught quite a few of them. And so, um, and I thought the product was pretty good. And it, you know, I, I, it's disappointing that the this whole the virus and everything had to happen. And I mean, I'm sure that that's that's what folded it. But um, you know, hopefully it can come back and and they can give it another go. Well, for all you Battlehawk fans out there, one last time, caca, <laughs> the beer snake fans and uh, <laughs> the beer snake, the defenders. Yeah, the defenders, man. Those fans get out. One thing I'll say though about the XFL before we end this XFL discussion. They, they needed to get more high-profile names in the league. I, remember when the Omaha Nighthawks first started? They were able to get a blend of these young guys, and they had Jeff Garcia, Amon Green, Donald Driver. Like, if there's a way to blend that with some old kind of guys with it that could draw more eyeballs, mm-hmm. I mean, if they could have got Colin Kaepernick. To Johnny play, Manziel. Johnny Manziel. Like, they need to – that that's where – you're not going to watch some of these quarterbacks. Like you don't really care about rep. Not was it not Rep. Bomar, but the the XOU quarterback um, that threw all the picks in Lincoln, Landry Landry uh, Jones. Jones. I mean yeah. that just doesn't move the needle. Like they, they needed to find a way to get some higher profile names um, on some of those rosters. I mean, and what's funny is the Nighthawks when they were around, they didn't even have a TV deal. I think they were playing the games on some random. That's what made it different. I mean, every. XFL game was televised nationally, yeah. whether it was ABC, ESPN, or Fox. And so, I mean, it was a lot easier to access. And when it, you can just flip through your channels, like, oh, here's an XFL game, suddenly you watch it, and then you start getting familiar with it, whereas the, you know, the AAF and all that stuff, like, it was just so hard to find. You had to actively search it out, and that just... Uh, it just kills ratings. Yeah, that's, well, that's a tough hurdle. And the highlights were on ESPN. Like, they were on SportsCenter. Exactly. And, and none of the other leagues have ever been on SportsCenter Yeah, Center the uh, American Alliance at the beginning they weren't even airing the highlights no. and then i think they got enough criticism for that they started doing like real short yeah 30 second highlights all right Allie, what do you have next all right this one's for robin what's the ideal recruiting recruiting class for fred in 2021 that's impossible to say right now um given the level of roster attrition that happens year in year out uh, i will say obviously the top guys on their 21 board uh wilhelm breedenbach uh, the kid from california um, four-star center uh, and then um, obviously hunter salas from millard north um l ellis is a junior college kid they're heavily recruiting so those are three names right there so a big, a guard, and shooters. You can say that for every single class. It's just a matter of how many they take based off attrition. All right, final question here, Allie. What do you have to end us with? Favorite spring game memory? Uh, favorite spring game memory. Well, I, I think that, I mean, I, I, the Jack Hoffman run is the easy one that a lot of people are going to go towards um, just that moment. I was walking in the stadium in the morning that day, and I happened to see Andy and Jack and I'll never forget, um, I said, hey, how's it going, Jack? And, the, and people knew who Jack was, but he hadn't really blown up like national yet at that point. And I go, so what do you guys got planned for today? And Andy goes, you know, I don't know. Um, we're going upstairs now to the coach's office, and they, they've got a schedule and a plan, so we're going to go find out what that plan is. So at that time in the morning, they didn't even really know yet 
that they were going to um, set up that run. And it was C.J. Zimmer, the fullback out of Omaha Gross, my alma mater, that came up with the idea to have Jack come in and run that play in the game. And, and you know, the coaches loved the idea. They went with it. Um, so, I mean, that, that's for me, no doubt. I mean, th- that made national news. It was one of the better field game stories you'll ever see, especially at a spring game. And it was executed. Think about that play, just to have it run and to have a kid that young um, run the ball. I mean, was it 50, 60, 70 yards mm-hmm. that he ran the ball and stayed on his feet, didn't fall down? I mean, just the execution of that moment um, in, in general was something I'll never forget. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess a little bit better than Bo holding up the cat. I was, yeah, really. was going <laughs> to say for, no one better say that. <laughs> for me personally, uh, the very first Nebraska football thing I covered was as a junior in high school where they credentialed me from the Lincoln High Advocate, and I got to go – to the spring game and cover it. And I had no idea what I was doing or where to go or anything like that. But uh, I remember standing there after the game and interviewing Carlos Polk, who was a very large man, a very intimidating <laughs> presence. And uh, that's when I you know, really knew that this is something that I, not only I want to do, but this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, for me, some of my favorite memories were just the, the spring games where the the last the prior class would come back uh, a lot of those signees would come back um, you know after I hadn't seen them for a while when I when I was working at Nebraska um, you know in particular the would have been the the 2005 uh, spring game where that class that ranked number five in the country at, at the time you know the large majority of those guys came back and and I know it was just kind of like a big family reunion every year when all those signees came back together after having not seen each other for a long time so. Um, you know, those are some of my you know favorite memories from the spring game. Yeah, it's fun, Nate, when you get the top recruits that they're targeting, and then the entire new signing class of guys that signed say in February would come to the spring game in mm-hmm. April, and you mix the twenty plus new signees with several foreign four star type guys or higher that are on campus. I mean, it's, it's always fun to see that interaction and just you know it's like a big party on the sidelines for the spring game. Yeah, it is, and you know that camaraderie is something that you can't duplicate and. There's always, you know, big national guys that, that everybody knows. Like a recruit that, that Nebraska is going after may not personally know that guy, but they know who he is. And so, um, you know, and, and for those for those recruits that are going through the process to talk with the, the guys that just signed, I mean, that's that's invaluable, um, you know, for, for Nebraska at least. And so, I mean, that's that's disappointing that that won't be happening, but that was always some of the, the highlights of, of my spring games. All right, when we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting talk. Uh, Nebraska lost out on quarterback Peter Costelli. We'll get Nate Klaus's thoughts on that and where the Huskers might go next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.